0: Last week, we looked at how should we pray and zoomed in on the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, and uh, a prayer that, again, is uh, ubiquitous. Is that the right word, if it's just like everywhere? Uh, Where's my Word of the Day calendar, people? I look at Professor Will. That's who I'll go to for my definitions. Um, It's ubiquitous in the world that people, billions if not trillions of people throughout history have recited, but how many times is it recited without heart intention, without understanding of the words, um, which goes against the very reason Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. He said, don't just offer offer up empty phrases, Um, pray like this. And when he said pray like this, he didn't mean just recite these words. You can recite those words, but he was giving us a pattern. And so we looked at what that pattern was. And it talked about our position in prayer, Uh, how our Father dictates our position in prayer. We're in this together, our. Uh, We are calling on a Heavenly Father, and so we are subordinate to uh, a Heavenly Father who is above and other and is good and guides us and leads us and provides for us. Uh, We talked about our priority in prayer. Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, So our priority in prayer is that God would be worshipped and glorified above all else. Um, and that his will would be done, right? And when his will is done, his kingdom has come. That's what manifests the kingdom, is when things are going according to his design and his will. Uh, and then our petitions in prayer. have We prayed for um, physical needs and spiritual needs, reminding us that God is over all of those. He's the provider and sustainer uh, of our physical and spiritual lives. <clears throat> Today we'll consider what should we say. What should we say? So when it comes time to actually... Uh, Proclaim the good news, to deliver the good news and share the good news. What is the good news? What are we telling people um, that they need to hear? Um, so what should we say? And while there are uh, several passages in Scripture that you could turn to to say um, this is the gospel or this is the gospel, and some people say if you had to pick one verse, how would you explain the gospel? And um, there's multiple verses that I think would do a great job at that to to have that conversation. Whether it's John three sixteen, Romans six twenty three, uh, there's lots of things you could point to. Um, today we'll be in Romans chapter three, verses twenty one through twenty six. Uh, If you want to turn there, uh, we'll look at it in just a moment. Um, And in this passage, we'll see just some of the vital aspects uh, of the gospel message. Um, And as sometimes we tend to do, uh, we want to over-explain. I often, and I'm probably doing it right now, uh, over-explain, add more words than we need to, because we want to cover all the bases. We want to make sure they say the exact right thing. Um, In fact, in writing the three points this morning, I had like... Each one was like two sentences, and I had to say, no, no, no. The points need to be more succinct, smaller, uh, and then they can be fleshed out from there. But if we want to grab onto what is the gospel message, what do we say, what do we deliver? Well, this is Romans 3, uh, verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I'm going to tack on verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So, the first thing we need to establish with a listener, if we are, have someone that we say, this person needs to hear the good news, this person needs uh, to know what Jesus has done, um, what do we need to explain? What do we need to uh, establish with them? And I think one of the most important things that we can establish with them is that we are all sinners who need saving. We're all sinners who need saving. And so, if you need, the question is, what do we say? Say, we're all sinners who need saving. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons to do that, right? I think it's important not to just say you're a sinner who needs saving, uh, but to include, include ourselves in that. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners who need saving. Um, and so just to establish that. But there's not going to be anyone who responds to the gospel message if they don't first realize that they need a Savior, right? Verse 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This sin separates us from God, right? And so um, it, we established this a couple of weeks ago. It's not just the fact that we're all sinners. Okay, we're all sinners. Then that's not so bad. We're all in the same boat. But we have been separated from God because of this sin. This is the need for saving part, right? Because someone may acknowledge, yeah, I'm a sinner, but that's not that big a deal. We just die and nothing happens. Um, so, But for Scripture to tell us that, yes, we are all sinners And that sin has separated us from God. In fact, it's not just a separation from God, because even that might be, well, it's not so bad, right? Uh, But this separation from God, this absence of God's presence, this eternal punishment that is promised uh, for those who do not believe uh, is something that people need to be aware of, right? You are a sinner. We are all sinners. um, And because we are sinners, we're separated from God. And because God is holy, and righteous, and just. He has to punish sin. And so if we have not received any salvation from him, he will punish that sin. And that's not a place we want to be in. So we want to communicate to people that we're all sinners who need saving. God created us to, uh, he designed us to worship him and to to enjoy him forever, right? To enjoy his grace uh, for all eternity. Um, But because our hearts are bent on self, we disobey, we rebel against God's good design, and we fixate on glorifying ourselves and building our kingdom instead of His, this leaves us condemned and separated from Him. This sad state, the the bad news, it leaves us in need of saving, as I mentioned. Uh, We talked a couple weeks ago, I think, about how tempting it is to minimize our sin and to convince ourselves that our natural state apart from Jesus is not that bad, uh, right, if everybody's a sinner, then okay, what's the big deal? We're just all sinners. Uh, but this is not the picture that the Bible paints for us, because God is holy and righteous. As I said, any sin separates us from Him. Because it's tempting sometimes to think, well, yeah, see, that guy's like really a sinner, right? I'm not pointing to Brad. I'm saying this is a, a figurative person that over here, uh, that guy is really a sinner, right? Like as long as I keep my act cleaner than that person, then I'm probably okay. The scripture tells us that God is so holy, so perfect, so other, any little sin, disobedience, rebellion separates us from him. He cannot be in fellowship with that. So we don't get to compare ourselves to, right, terrorists, felons, lifelong criminals. We measure ourselves against God's standard of holiness and perfection. This is why everyone falls short. Everybody. Uh, I remember someone gave an illustration of trying to explain this that, you know, if we all lined up on the coast of California and tried to swim to Hawaii, no one would make it, right? Now, some people would make it a lot farther than others and like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Look at all those people who already gave up or quit or drowned or whatever. Uh, I'm way past them, but nobody is going to make it all the way to Hawaii, right? Everyone falls short. So it doesn't matter if you're gooder than somebody else, everyone falls short. No one's as good as God. No one meets that standard. So if you have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone and they're, they're hung up on the idea that they, uh, maybe they're not that bad, all we can point them to is God's holiness and perfection and the truth that all have sinned. Everyone has sinned. Until people recognize their need for a Savior, they will continue in their rebellion against God's design. Many still trying to earn some kind of reward or self-righteousness, right? Yeah, and I know that that I ought to do good, and so I'm just trying to do as much good as possible, and they put their hopes in that, that I can just be good enough, that I can uh, earn it back or make up for the wrongs that I've done. But that's not how it works. What they need to understand is our second point in answering what do we say. Say salvation is a gift of grace that we could never earn. Salvation is a gift of grace that we could never earn. Verses 24 and 21 kind of point us to this. This is not just good news, this is great news. The salvation that we all so desperately need is offered to us as a free gift of grace, it says in verse 24, because we could never earn it. Verse 21 mentions that the righteousness we need in order to be in fellowship with God comes apart from the law. This is because no amount of good works can save us. We cannot set our accounts, make our accounts right. We cannot settle up with God on our own. There is no way. And so we are dependent on this free gift. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that we're saved by grace so that no one can boast. Verse 27 in this passage, right? What becomes of boasting? It's excluded. Why is boasting excluded? Because we are saved by faith not by works. And we're pretty good at uh, patting ourselves on the back and feeling like we've earned or deserve the good things and, that have come our way in life, um, which then, when the bad things happen, make us think, I don't deserve this, right? We get it so, so backwards. We start to convince ourselves that all the good things I have, I do deserve and I have earned, and all the bad things that come in life, I don't deserve. And Scripture paints a totally opposite picture that we deserve the bad things in life and worse because of our sin against the holy God. And any good thing that comes to our life is just grace that we have not earned or deserve. This grace, it flows from God's heart towards us. He loves us. He desires for us to know Him. There's no other reason for Him to offer us salvation. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve redemption, but God is love. And we know He is love because He initiates our salvation. This plan to redeem us, to rescue us, to send Jesus, to save us. He's the author, the cause, the means of our salvation. As we read in this passage in Romans 3, He is both just and the justifier. We don't have anything that God needs from us. He could have existed for eternity in perfect fellowship. the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. He does not need our worship. He does not need our fellowship. He doesn't need our prayers or our songs. He desires for us to be in relationship with him. He loves us. And so he decided to save. This is amazing grace. The concept of grace can be quite the stumbling block. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. It doesn't add up. That right? If, uh, if we tend to think, "I'm I'm now indebted if someone has given me something, now I now to give them something." Like I can't stand for the account to be out of whack like that. I owe you. Several years ago, um, Bono of the rock band U2 spoke on what makes grace distinct in an interview, and I probably have quoted this before because it's just a, a great. Um, for a person of that platform to be able to speak on grace like this, I think is huge. Um, he said, at the center of all religions is this idea of karma. You know, uh, what you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Uh, or in physics, in physical laws, every action is met by an equal or an opposite one. And yet, he says, along comes the, I, this idea called grace to upend all that. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff, he said. He said, I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to finally be my judge. He said, it doesn't excuse his mistakes, he said. He said, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross, because I know who I am. And I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. I mean, that's gospel grace, right? From a a rock star legend who's done a lot of stuff. And we may even look at him now and kind of shake our head about some stuff. But this is a definition of grace. In flying in the face of what the world sees as how to... um, get to a better afterlife, or nirvana, or enlightenment, or whatever it is, right? All these other religions kind of work on this. They may not say karma, but it's this idea of you have to make up for the bad you've done with your good works. And Grace says, no, Jesus did the work. And by faith in Jesus, you are saved. Because like Bono, right? I know who I am, and I hope I don't have to depend on my own good works piling up higher than my bad works at the end of the day there are religions today that still believe that and i've i've had some conversations with people who uh who think that way and believe that way and think how do you sleep at night how would you ever have rest or peace in your soul thinking have i done enough good to outweigh the bad that is not the message of grace Because the message of the gospel says you can't do enough good. Only Jesus is good. And by faith in him, you are saved. And you haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. And that's why it's called grace. Bono gets grace, right? He knows how we experience this grace in our lives uh, because he just defined it in that passage Now, we don't want to abuse grace. Paul speaks against this. If we've been saved by grace, then are we supposed to just go on sinning however much we want? No, right? We understand that grace is a gift that we haven't earned or deserved. And so we live in such a way to honor, to glorify, to live for God. I've heard it said, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. And so you receive the grace of God. You live for God. you, You line up your life with the way he has called you to live it. Not to earn or pay him back, but to just honor and glorify and love him in obedience and become more like Jesus. It's uh, our third point today uh, of what we should be proclaiming when the good news. um, We have the opportunity to proclaim the good news to someone who is far from God. Uh, First was we're all sinners who need saving. Second was salvation is a gift of grace that we could never earn. And finally, we should say, we're saved when we believe by faith in Jesus, who died in our place. We're saved when we believe by faith in Jesus, who died in our place. Verses 22 and 25 mention that we receive salvation by faith. Faith is belief. It's trust. It's not a work. It's not something you do. It's a heart and mind convinced and believing that something is true. There must be an object of faith, right? You have to be trusting or believing in something or someone. So, really, our salvation rests not in the amount of our faith or strength of our faith, but in the strength of the object of our faith. When it comes to our salvation, our faith must be in Jesus, as we read in verse 22 of Romans chapter 3. Jesus is the one who came he's the one who lived a sinless life. He's the one who died on the cross and rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. Our point specified that he died in our place. Um, He died as a payment for our sin. Verse 25 refers to this when it says Jesus was put forth as propitiation by his blood. Propitiation refers to appeasing a higher power, right? To uh, to, to please or uh, appease uh, someone maybe who 's upset or uh, needs to punish or right, and so uh, Jesus settles that Jesus takes the wrath, takes the punishment. Another similar word we assign to jesus 's death is atonement jesus 's death atoned or paid for the penalty of our sin. We talked about this the other night in in uh, community group that there's a lot of kind of accounting terminology sometimes in scripture when it talks about sin and debt and ransom and all this kind of stuff. Um, And so what Jesus has done as he has paid the penalty, he has set the account right that we never could have set right. At the beginning uh, of the message, I said our sin separates us from God, right? And I said that God is holy and just. He has to punish sin For God to remain perfect and just, he has to punish sin, or he would no longer be perfect, just, and righteous. It can't go undealt with. So we need someone to appease God's wrath toward our sin. This is where Jesus steps in. If only, right, we had someone who could stand in our place with no sin of their own, because if Jesus had sin of his own, then his death would have been to appease the wrath of God towards him that he earned. In his sin, his rebellion, but he had no sin. And so when Jesus goes to the cross and takes the wrath of God, all of that wrath covers sin for other people, not him, because he didn't have any sin. The Bible says that he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He took the wrath of God meant for us upon himself. And when we trust in Jesus by faith, we receive his righteousness. God looks at us to deal with our sin. And if we are in Christ, he does not see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. We receive the righteousness of Jesus at salvation. Makes us right with God. We are justified before God. We can have fellowship. We are reconciled. We are redeemed to enjoy this relationship with God that we have been designed for. But people can only believe in something if they hear it. Scripture tells us this. Faith comes from hearing. And you can't believe in something unless you hear it. And you can't hear it unless someone proclaims it. And so that's why we've gone through this series and continue this series for the next couple of weeks. We've been called to proclaim this message. We are on a mission. We've been invited into this to proclaim the good news of Jesus to those who are far from God. Because they cannot believe in what they do not hear. And so we are the ones who proclaim it. I want to close today's message with a a practical tool that might help you when it comes to telling someone the good news of Jesus. There's a lot of different tools. None are necessarily the right tool. This is a simple way. It might help you remember or... um, To explain or to kind of keep an outline in front of you as you explain the good news to someone. Uh, It's called Three Circles and so this is actually the inventor of Three Circles who's gonna walk us through the the Three Circles plan. Um, So let's watch this video together.
1: It's Jimmy Scroggins again, working on our Gospel Conversations training. And I want to give you an example that you can maybe follow as you try to get ready to get reps to share the gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to show you the three circles, just the gospel piece right now on the board. The Bible tells us that God has a design for our lives, that God cares about every aspect of our lives. That's our families, that's our personal lives, that's our choices, our money, our sex life, really everything about our life, God has a design for it. If we live according to God's design, then we have the opportunity to live in the arena of God's blessing. The problem is that all of us have a tendency to depart from God's design. When we depart from God's design, the Bible has a word for that, and the word is sin. And inevitably, when we sin against God, when we leave His design, we end up in a place that we call brokenness. Now, all of us know what brokenness feels like. It feels like emptiness. It feels like guilt. It feels like rejection, it feels like shame, it feels like regret. But when we get in this place of brokenness, we always try to fix it. So we try to maybe dive into a different relationship or try to make more money or try to become more religious. But whatever we do, we try to mitigate the pain of our brokenness. We try to escape our brokenness in some way. Now, brokenness really hurts and it feels like a terrible thing. But the truth is it's a good thing because brokenness draws our attention to the need for change in our lives. But the change that we need doesn't come from in here. The change we need comes from somewhere else. The good news is that the Bible tells us where that kind of change comes from. That kind of change comes from what's called the good news or the story of the gospel. Gospel is just a Bible word that means good news. The gospel is the story of Jesus, Jesus, who is the Son of God, who came to earth and he never departed from God's design in any way, not even one time. But Jesus was crucified on the cross for, the Bible says, the sins of the world. That's my sins and your sins. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, God did a miracle. He took the sins of the world, our sins, and put them on Jesus. And Jesus received the punishment from God for our sins. When He'd done everything that He came to do, He said, it is finished, and He died. They took His body off the cross, they buried Him, and three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says that God raised Him from the dead to prove that Jesus was who He said He was, the Son of God, and that He could do what He came to do, forgive our sins and heal the broken places in our lives. The kind of change we need doesn't come from in here. The kind of change we need comes from the gospel itself. The Bible says that what we need to do when we find ourselves in brokenness is repent of our sins. In other words, change our heart, change our mind, change our direction, and believe the gospel story. That's the story of Jesus, how he was crucified for our sins and raised from the dead. The Bible says if we'll repent and believe, then Jesus will come into our lives. He'll forgive our sins and begin to heal the broken places in our lives. And then the Bible says that God will give us the opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. The cool thing about this is that we get to recover and pursue God's design from wherever we are. We don't have to turn back the past. We get to go and believe God and walk with God From right here. Now this is just the gospel piece. There's other things that you need to learn and other things that you need to rep, but I hope that this will help you as you learn to share the gospel of Jesus, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations.
0: Three circles. So again, that's just one tool and he was going pretty fast. Uh, One thing I like that he did was he didn't use a lot of churchy words, Um, and so if you're explaining something to someone who has no idea uh, what a lot of these words mean, like today, and some of my sub points, talking about atonement and propitiation and all that kind of stuff, um, it's much easier to relate to someone if you're talking about brokenness, right? Um, Because people may not think sin, but if you can identify brokenness in probably everyone's life, and then relay that back to the story of the scripture. that says this brokenness is a result of sin in the world. Um, and so I like that he did that. <clears throat> I probably would uh, slow it down a little bit, right? He was just presenting information. He's training. Um, and th- there's an app. If you're a, a phone person and just ha- always have your phone on you, you can do the Three Circles app. It walks you right through there. Um, and so just a, a, one of the tools that we can use to do that. Um, <clears throat> In Bible study today, I'll go over um, one verse of evangelism and uh, we'll talk about maybe different things that, that people have heard of or used. Um, but I think it's important that we, um, in speaking the gospel to others, we uh, we don't just present, you know, like he's training. We don't just present something without any kind of acknowledgement that we're talking to a person, right? It's a person that uh, has hurts and, and hopes and... Uh, and brokenness, and brokenness that can be manifested in in any number of ways. And so uh, any situation that you go into that you're wanting to proclaim or uh, declare the gospel to somebody, listen, right, before you talk and uh, hear who the person is and out of love respond uh, with the gospel that has changed your life, that has transformed you. Um, and so we'll, in not just this series, but in the future, Missio Day we will continue to work on our gospel fluency, which is just that, um, that skill, that art, that ministry of listening for brokenness and speaking gospel into brokenness in different ways. Um, and so uh, that's what God has given us. Today, again, just wanted to break down as essentially as we could that, you know, we are sinners and who need saving and what Jesus has done to save us and how someone can be saved as well so let's pray and we'll continue our service god thank you again for today i thank you for the good news of the gospel that while we are sinners disobedient rebellious left in our brokenness deserving of wrath that you sent jesus that you had a plan to save, that you had a heart to save, that you desire to save. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, living the perfect life and laying down that life, taking the punishment that we deserve, the punishment that we earned in our rebellion against God. And thank you for defeating the curse, the power of sin and death by rising again from the grave. We thank you for this great gift of salvation. God, we thank you for the task that you have called us to, to be ambassadors, to be uh, missionaries. Maybe not earning a check as missionaries, but God, you've called us to be on mission. So we thank you for that opportunity. We're humbled by that. We pray that we would be bold when the opportunities around us, present themselves We pray that we'd be sensitive to your spirit who does the true work of saving. That your spirit would give us the words to say. And God, I pray that you would allow us to rest in the peace of knowing that salvation is a work that only you can do. But evangelism is a work that we're called to do. So find us obedient, find us faithful. And God, we pray that we would get to see fruit in our time. We pray and ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.